Well, hello and welcome to the Smells Like Money podcast. Join me, Suzanne Chin-Taylor, the doo-doo diva, as I interview guests who are making an impact on how we manage and operate systems for conveying and treating wastewater. As a veteran of the wastewater, trenchless, and civil infrastructure industry, each week, I'll be bringing you industry know-how from industry pros who know how. Join me each week as I speak with representatives of organizations that are utilizing disruptive or new technologies and methods, and executives who are excited to share how to be successful and sustainable in our vital industry. So whether you want to learn about the latest trends in technology, in treatment or trenchless, gain tips on training and retaining great talent, or simply how to be more efficient, productive, or profitable, this podcast is for you. Ready? Let's dive right in. Well, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Do Do Diva Smells Like Money podcast. We are continuing our visit with Nick Spano, president of Essential Equipment, specialists in CCTV inspection and storm and sanitary sewer pipeline cleaning equipment. So Nick, thank you for um, offering and being so generous of your time for us to continue this next segment's discussion, which is very, very important to our industry, whether you are coming from the contracting side or the municipal side, if you're in a treatment plant or whatever, and that is about workforce development, the next wave of wastewater professionals, how are we going to find them, how are we going to train them, and most importantly, how are we going to keep them, retain Ooh. them? And so transfer of knowledge, you know, we're all looking at this, you know, silver tsunami. And that there's so much knowledge with these folks that have been in this industry for decades. And what I want to discuss with Nick is his thoughts, because he's part of a committee with NASCO. And for those of you who are not familiar with NASCO, it stands for the National Association of Sewer Service Contractors that has seen the need in our industry and is making strides to help the industry with what we anticipate could be a workforce shortage. And we are an essential industry. And so with that, Nick, we're, when, you, when we talk about transfer of knowledge, especially for these smaller cities. What are some of the ways that you see could be an effective means to handle this? Yeah, um, well, thanks again for having me. Uh, this is a subject that's pretty near and dear to me. Um, having been in the contracting world for so long, um, and even now interacting with contractors and municipalities, um, it's, it's almost all people are talking about is, is you know, it's going, and I, you know, it's probably going to get worse. Um, like you mentioned the silver tsunami, right? It's coming. Um, but it's already pretty rough out there. Um, I think that especially for small cities, um, who may have more trouble attracting workforce, um, it's definitely going to, going to be difficult. Um, I think we're going to have to start utilizing, um, more, uh, like GPS type, uh, technologies, um, even for small cities, because a lot of their problems are, uh, when I say small cities, I mean like small cities and towns. Um, 
they've had the same employees for years, right? Frank, you know, Frank Smith knows where that manhole is behind the KFC um, that they always have to go jet out. But, you know, sometimes they put the dumpster back over it. Uh, you know, those little kind of quirky things um, that those people know. And when Frank retires, how are, how is the next person going to know that? Did Frank have an apprentice, somebody working with him for a few years prior to his retirement um, or not? At, was was the city proactive in trying to capture some of Frank's knowledge by having Frank take GPS coordinates of all the manholes or some type of, you know, even as recently, you know, as a few years ago, we, we saw cities that would literally have paper maps that were highlighted, you know, to mean certain things. And, and you come in as an outsider and you're like, well, wait, what does the green highlighter mark mean versus the pink hi highlighter mark? Um, there's just no way to know. Um, by some of the, you know, at the time, that's all they had, right? Um, but that's not the case anymore. So I think it's just it's going to be challenging to um, to kind of catch up. Because so I think we're a little bit a little bit behind on that. Yeah, you had mentioned we had talked spoken earlier about the importance of embracing these technology tools because it the work and and you stated this the work isn't the problem. It's just so much of it as is manual. And so if we have technology that requires less manual, then even if we don't are, aren't able to replace a person right away, we'll have something to help who is there on the job be more efficient and still be able to stay up with the workload until more help can be procured. Sure. Yeah, I just, um, I was just thinking when you were saying about transfer of knowledge and paper maps is that, you know, all of us have these handy, you know, like little devices, you know, yep. we all have them. Is that something to just think about is, especially for smaller cities, when someone is out in the field doing a task that they know like the back of their hand, um, almost like they're making their own internal, not they're going to put it out on YouTube or social media, but wow, what if they started to capture and do their own little like short YouTube or TikTok videos for their town? Like, hey, this is how we deal with lift station number two on the corner of Smith and Green Street. You open this and he's just recording himself to, yeah. leave, you know, to leave that behind for the next person. And yeah, that to a about? repository of just of how to's. I think, you know, I don't know how many people have thought about it. It just popped into my head while we were talking that, wow, that, why isn't somebody doing that? Yeah, I hadn't thought you know, about that. We think either. about going to, we think about going out to YouTube for how to's and there is a tremendous amount of information about how to's, but how much more valuable would those how to's be if they weren't just generic about, okay, how do you use a, um, a roll down, you know, the, the rollers for a manhole for a camera? How do you, but what if it was, how you use the roller assembly for your city's particular camera and device. Yeah, that's and super interesting. To about. Yeah. Something very, very specific. Yeah, with the ease of capturing video media, you know, yes. I always thought, like, wouldn't it be? There's neat? no excuse. Yeah, there's no excuse. Because even, you know, in, in the past, I've 
thought about, well, man, why can't, why doesn't somebody just write all this down? And, and now I we really some, don't have to, we've got, now you don't even have to phones. write it down. Yeah. We're just going to capture video and yeah, this is our, our city's YouTube channel. Um, you know, you have a question, search the YouTube repository of our, you know, and you can make that stuff private. Oh yeah. Or, you know, the city has some type of media server that's searchable, um, for all of the, the videos, the instructional videos. I think that's, that's, there's definitely something to that. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you that, that I wasn't completely off my rocker and coming up with that. So, you know, when, when we think about um, hands-on work, one of the things that I know, and, and like standardization too, because let's face it, when it comes to a defect, every operator's opinion, it's very subjective. And so you yourself, I know, are NASCO certified, you're a PACP trainer. I am. How... I'd like you to speak to that in, you know, you are having once been a trainer, probably pre-PACP. Yes or well, no? Nope. I have been a trainer. I just did my second recertification. So this for me is year number seven as a trainer. But uh, did you ever do inspection before we had the standards? No. No. So, so, I, you've, I always, industry, so you've always done that. Okay. Yeah, I entered the industry about 2010. Okay. And PACP really like got going what 2002 right so so how do you see that not that far after it started which sounds right. which sounds wow wild. yeah where it really really took off yeah how have you seen that you know a standard or other things like it being a benefit to the industry do you think it's something that every city should be on board with if they're not already oh yes it's so important uh I mean I really enjoyed doing the PACP training. That's like one of the, I've, I've continued to do that even, you know, despite starting this company and being very busy with that, I've, we have to teach at least four classes a year. So I've made sure that I've, I've, you know, kept my requirements up um, because I do really enjoy PACP training. And I think it is so important to our industry. Like we talked about in our last episode, it's one of those aspects that um, it's one of those, I guess, attributes of this being a real profession um, for the camera operators. Like, I mean, there's not that many, there's no schools, right? We don't have the luxury of sending our employees to a school or getting a degree or uh, which, I mean, I think that's where it's all headed, but I guess that's for a, another time. Um, but at least the PACP training that's that's an accomplishment. I mean, it's a it's a two and a half day course uh, for someone to take and and pass the exams and um, and really be prepared, you know, to defect code pipe. And it's it's so important because, I mean, it is it is the standard. I mean, how can we possibly efficiently rehabilitate pipe if if we if we don't have a standard of of what's wrong with the pipe. And, and I guess just, also to make that decision, if there's lots of defects, what has to be done first? Yes. And and PECP does a really good job of, of meshing both, uh, of including kind of a risk management component. And it's something I try to highlight to the students because some students just see like the header section 
It's just, oh, this is a bunch of stuff I have to fill out. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, no, this is, I mean, you have basically like likelihood of failure, which is easy to understand. That's all the defect codes. We put all these defect codes in and then you can see, oh, this pipe is quite likely to fail. But then you also have, what is the consequence of failure? I'm like, well, I try to train, you know, try to get these students to see, well, this is why the header section information is so important because it is giving you all of the data that an engineer needs to realize the consequence of failure. You know, what are the social, the economic, and the environmental costs to this pipe failing? Because there's a drastic difference between a eight inch pipe that is four feet under the ground that serves one cul-de-sac of houses, right? Six, seven, eight customers. There's just such a different consequence of that pipe failing um, compared to a 36 inch line that runs right along the creek that is serving 100,000 residents. Um, so they're just, it's not all equal. Um, and PACP does a really good job of collecting in all the necessary information to make those decisions. Because it's not just likelihood. You know, it's not just what is the likelihood of failure. That's just one component. If we don't look at the consequence of failure, um, I mean, we're, we'd be, we could do things in, in the wrong order. Very good point. So I, I really want to speak to, you know, th- and that's where it's so important for those cities that have those smaller budgets where they really have to, they have to stretch their dollar and they have to prioritize as, you know, understanding, well, that one, where the biggest risks are. That was a very, very good point. I, I, I loved how you broke that down um, in using the data. And so I, you know, NASCO was so instrumental. And in, I mean, the, the standards really started in Europe, you know, with the w, WRC, but they were so instrumental into bringing the PACP and, and helping to make that a standard and really getting the, the industry as a whole to really embrace it. And uh, so now their next big mission, I mean, they've been involved in a lot of things, got to commend them for that great organization. And I would really love for you to, you know, share with the audience this um, new thing that they've embarked on that you're a member of, which I think I'm reading my notes here. It's the NASCO Workforce Development Committee. That's right. You know, t- tell tell us about that because I think you know people need to be aware of and if NASCO is going to be a resource, how they can tap into that resource. Yes. So NASCO is a place where uh, a lot of companies have come together, putting competition aside, to improve our industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's one of the things I really enjoy about it is it's you really do see people coming together. And everybody, uh, there's so many people with so much insight. I mean, for me, being on definitely on the younger end of of the people on these committees, it's a real blessing for me to be able to listen to some of the people who have been around, share their knowledge, their insight, their experiences. Um, it's just invaluable. And there's a lot of really awesome people that are all coming together to try to figure out what we're going to do as a whole. Because, you know, every, everybody's fighting for their piece of the pie. But at the end of the day, we're all drawing from the same worker pool. 
and and we're all so NASCO is bringing people together to try to figure out how we're going to improve the professionalism um, of the jobs of you know the let's say the uh, perceived professionalism because like we've talked about it's it is really a a professional job to to be inspecting uh, these un, this underground infrastructure. So how do we promote that? And then how do we train people? How do we increase awareness and and draw people in from other industries to ours? And then once they're here, how are we going to train them? How are we going to turn them into value? How are we going to add value to them? Mm. Um, and that's what we're exploring is is how best to um, to add that knowledge, to transfer that knowledge to new people. And to retain, because I, I I think what's happened is a shift, you know, for the skilled trades, you know, and albeit aside, people think sewer and it's got a little bit of the, you know, the yuck factor. But it's that aside, yeah, that aside, um, everybody wants their kid to go to college, you know, get that white mm-hmm. collar job behind the desk. And that's all well and good. But there are just some people that simply aren't, it's not for them. And you're trying to push someone that was that, that square peg into the round hole. And even if they are college material, but let's say they don't have the means to. This is an industry with opportunities to make a great, not just a wage, but an extremely lucrative living wage, well good lifestyle living wage, okay? Yep. It's essential. It's recession resistant. And in some cases, recession proof because, you know, I tell people, hey, as long as there's people on the planet, there's going to be stuff going down the pipes to be treated. Yeah. And if that stuff isn't flowing, you need people like us in our industry, even though I don't do this, but you need my customers. You need my associates and colleagues. You yeah, need you, us. You took the words right out of my mouth. I and, mean, and so you can go to, you, you get your skills on the job. Very often, if you need special certifications, your employer is going to send you like in wastewater treatment plants, mm-hmm. you know, they'll send you for your operator training and to get your certification. But some of these operators that I talk to that are, you know, when they're at the top level, They've almost got an equivalent of a master's degree in microbiology for everything that they're required to know in order to be that level of class operator. And they're making a great living. And here's the best part. They're not saddled with hundreds of thousands of dollars of college debt that they're going to be paying off until they're 40 or 50 years old and maybe have to be living with mom and dad into their thirties. I mean, especially now that we've seen an increase in interest rates do people not think that that's going to translate to the student loan market. Oh, of course Uh, it will. Of course it is. Yeah. So now it's going to get even worse. So why are people okay with the idea of paying a, a uni- and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with going to university. Right. I have given LSU, go Tigers, lots of my money. Um, and, and I enjoyed it. And it was and it was great. But again, like you said, it's not for everybody. And it doesn't have to be the way to make a good living. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're okay with, you know, you, you're okay with spending four to five, in my case, six years, um, paying for some amount of experience or knowledge you're okay for paying for it 
but people don't see it getting paid for it as as an option. I mean, if you spent four to five years working for an employer, after that amount of time, you know a lot, right? You certainly have a professional understanding in our industry of what your job is. So of course you're going to make more money as a as an employee that that is skilled, right? You are a skilled CCTV operator. You are a skilled manhole inspection operator. You are a skilled jet vac operator. Um, and that's going to pay. You know, of course you're not going to make the same money on day one as five years in. That's, I mean, of course. Um, so I just think it's it's such a great place to, to earn a living, like you said you get paid to gain the experience and the knowledge. And right. so, so maybe it's a messaging issue. Maybe we, we need to do a better that, job yeah. of, of, of promoting right. that. And, and I think you're right in that uh, the other thing about it is that if you have that desire and you have those skills to maybe be your own boss someday, you know, you're learning, but you know, something I have um, through marriage, I have triplet sons and they're at college age now, they're 20. And we're telling him, get your associate's degree and then go to work someplace if you want to do white collar work where you know you can get hired for a decent job that maybe they want somebody with some college get the experience and then because you're working for the company a lot of them have tuition reimbursement programs so i wound up getting my master's degree is that i got my company to pay for it so that if you want to go back and finish that degree you're not getting saddled with the debt your employer is paying for it. And so right. if in our industry, if you went to work as an operator and you got something and you wanted to go back to college, maybe you wanted to learn some business skills because someday, yeah, I'd like to own my own CCTV and cleaning company or my own torrential repair company. So your boss sends you to work. You become more valuable to him while you're trying to decide whether or not, do I want to be my own boss or not? Yeah, because it's so I think you know, and you and I both know entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. It is not, no. no. Um, it's, it's a totally different story between when Friday comes and the paycheck automatically arrives, and you being the one to ensure that the paycheck arrives. That's right. Yep. Um, <clears throat> but I think, I think NASCO is definitely, I mean. The brain trust is on it, and I'm not speaking I'm, about I'm myself, so happy but I'm that. happy to get to witness it and get to, you know, participate in it. Um, yeah, I think you're right, messaging, and I think it's important that, you know, even those of us who are listening, you know, in that are part of the industry, that if we have children that are in or grandchildren that are high school age, that now is the time to maybe be on career day volunteering to go in and talk about what this in industry is like and how to get involved and to do more of that community outreach and to make people aware. Um, I, I interviewed a gentleman, I, I forget uh, which, which magazine it was, but they actually, um, this was pre-COVID, but now they're starting it again, is they actually invite kids to come to the plant and spend a day you know, shadowing or different, like it's like a five-week program and they get to shadow someone in every single department to see what it's all about. Mm -hmm. And um, 
they said they've recruited a lot of kids who want to come in that way. Like a lot of them who wanted to be science majors, but can't afford the college. They got fascinated by the lab. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, Ooh, wow. I mean, I could work, I could work in science. And so I think, yeah, you're right. We have to come at this from a different angle and maybe messaging is messaging is it. We have to make it fun. I personally, I think it's the greatest industry in the world. Yeah, same. We just have we just have something to overcome. We don't have the educational infrastructure, like like welding, for example. How many people go to school for welding? I mean, it's like the numbers are incredible. How many people go to school to be an HVAC technician? Um, because it's there. You can just oh, well, that sounds like a good job. Uh, I'll do that. Uh, it's on the course offerings for trade schools and vocational schools. We don't have that, but we could. Maybe, maybe we should. Maybe we should. <laughs> maybe there should be, I, I bought a domain name years ago called Trenchless U. And then maybe that's what we need to have is a Trenchless yeah. U. Yeah. And I mean, you look at what they're doing up at Louisiana Tech. I said, yes. you know, as a someone from the deep south, Louisiana Tech is up uh, in Ruston, uh, Louisiana. That's one of the premier, uh, you know, universities where they're where they are working on this, and and you can go take. I mean, I took like a forty hour class up there uh, with Dr. Tom Isley, um, yep. who's. I mean, there is it's. it's There's a it's few of them together. around. I mean, ASU, Dr. Sam. I can never pronounce his last name, and I, so I won't butcher it. Uh, ASU has a program, um, and then I think what's the other one? It's in Virginia. There's a huge uh, trenches program that I think it might be University of Virginia or Virginia State that is connected to it, it's doing something similar to the one that you just mentioned. Yeah. At, uh, Louisiana. Together. We're going to get there. Um, we are. We are. It's just I think it is folks like you and I and organizations like NASCO that will have to carry that torch and make sure it burns brightly and to get the message out. Yeah, and be I would say really, be really active, you know. Exactly, and I would say that if you're not a member of NASCO, to strongly consider becoming one and participating. Uh, I mean, it's all volunteer, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the people that are on these calls and these meetings, they're all volunteering their time. Um, so we could use all the help that we could get. So right. if it's something that you feel strongly about, the listeners, um, you know, please join NASCO. Please join a committee. Um, please come help make a difference because yeah, it is going to benefit all. And then same with your local chapters. If you're, you know, a member of a rural water association or your WEA, I know here in Arizona, cause I'm a, I'm a member of both. And uh, they, they do have a committee committee for, um, you know, young professionals and recruiting like workforce, again, young professional development committee. Mm -hmm. And so these associations, they, they need our help. They definitely need our help. And so, you know, I, I want to thank you for, you know, sharing with me and our listeners today what's going on with NASCO. And we're, we're doing a shout out, you know, get involved, you know, help be part of the solution and getting the word out as to how great our industry is. Because yes. to, and, me, and it's to me, it's filled with superheroes that make a difference every single day that we get to enjoy the lifestyle that we have 
because of folks like you. So brag about it. You're entitled to. Uh, yeah, I just hope I hope people participate because I mean, there's so much knowledge out there um, that I mean, I don't know at all. Not even close. Not even, you know, I, virtually nothing, right, on my own. Uh, but when you bring all these people together and we get we get these all these great minds together focusing on these problems, um, I think it's gonna it's going to turn out very well for us. Um, but even the people who are currently on the committee, we represent such a small portion. Uh, of the overall industry. Um, so I think, it, I just think it's important for everybody to, not everyone to participate, but especially if you feel like you're someone who has knowledge uh, about a specific part of our industry, whether it be inspection, cleaning, rehabilitation, whatever the case may be, um, please come and please participate. All right. Well, with that, again, thank you for coming on the show and sharing this information with us. And uh, for those of you listening, you are my superheroes. And I look forward to seeing you on another episode. And so until next time, keep it flowing. Thanks so much for joining me, the Doo Diva, on this week's episode of Smells Like Money. What stood out to you this week? Share your takeaways by leaving me a review. You can find out more about the new technologies, creating sustainable solutions and insights on how to succeed in our vital industry by subscribing to the show. Whether you want to learn about the latest trends in wastewater infrastructure, treatment or trenchless, you've got it all right here at Smells Like Money. If you're an industry expert and would like to be considered as a guest for the show, book a quick chat with me by visiting calendly.com forward slash the Tuit group forward slash B dash A dash podcast dash guest, or simply click the link in the show notes below. Until next week, a big shout out to all my industry friends and those who will be. You are my superheroes. Thanks for tuning in, keeping it flowing, and we'll see you all next week.